pouches. And I think this is conf confusing for a lot of the, uh, the, the army out there. Which is when I talk about Jody. Because mm -hmm. there are two Jodies that frequently yes. get referenced on this show. Yes. Mm -hmm. One of them is John's wife, mm -hmm. who is not the person that's our guest today. <laughs> who does listen to the show, and it she, does confuse it her It probably well. does, I know, and I, I, every once in a while I'll say something, and I'll say something about Jody, and I'm like, oh, Jody won't like that, and then later I'm like, oh, I hope that John's wife doesn't think I was talking about her, because <laughs> usually what I'm talking about is when we talk about beer, because yeah, Jody can, yes. so yes. Our, our lovely guest today, Jody Miners, uh, <laughs> she does not like the beer talk, so she's just, you know, we have, <laughs> I, I feel like if you... Um, you know, there's there's the listeners that like beer talk and there's the listeners that don't like beer talk. And she's in the latter camp. <laughs> well, you make it up with the Salesforce talk. Well. And I'm I'm happy if you talk bourbon or whiskey, but yeah, beer's not my scene. Not the thing, yeah. Gin. Talk, start talking gin, then I'll be happy. You know, I, I could I could talk gin. And um I'm not as educated, but I'm super interested in like all these um I mean, the, some of the classic ones are good, but right, but the, all these new gins that these little yeah. artisanal old little distilleries that oh, are making yeah. all kinds of uh, unique gins, and also, yeah. and have we talked about this, John, before? Because I feel like I talk about this too much. The gin, yeah, yeah, in general. No, I okay. Think so, all right, thank you. Because right. I've always thought gin was like equivalent to vodka. It's like, oh, not at all. No, 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 no. no. Yeah, and so just to draw a contrast, like I have almost no use for vodka in my life. Whereas gin is like the opposite. I, I mean, I could go on an endless discovery of all these different gins and also um, the different kind of cocktails you make with it. Because there's, there, I mean, it's, it's really diverse. It's, it's almost like, you know, the different styles of beer, like this beer, this, what is this, like a double IPA we're drinking, bears no resemblance to like a pastry stout or a, or a Pilsner or something. Um, and gin's kind are of the same unique? way. I mean, they are, they're, they're really diverse. And there's this, been this explosion of all these, like craft tonics as well. So it used to, yeah, you know, tonic just meant like, treat. just yeah. meant like, a, was it Schweppes or the, whoever makes the ginger ale? It's like yeah. just this plain, boring, bitter tonic. It's fine, you know, but, but nowadays, um, yeah, there's just, there's all these different tonics available that are, you know, of course, small, you know, small batch, handcrafted, artisanal, all the keywords. Yes, well, now I got to exactly. add gin to the, to the menu. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> I've never had gin. What? No. Oh really? my gosh. <laughs> <Never>. <laughs> Whiskey, rum, scotch. Okay. So, John, you just got to start with some really good stuff and start neat. You know, that's why I need a recommendation because my first yeah. foray into scotch was me randomly picking a very high-end yeah. one, but a it was a scotch that was aged in rum barrels or something. They call it the Caribbean cask, and it's not the one to start with. Oh, you're talking about the Balvini, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's not the one to start. Oh, I, the I double really wood is, like the double wood is really nice, and I okay. like it, and it's not as bad. But that yeah. that Caribbean cast, man, it left a certain taste. I can drink <laughs> it now, but that is not that's not the one to start uh, your Scotch journey with. As one that's widely available and really nice and really uh, smooth, I like Roku. It's it's a Japanese gin. Um, so some of the yeah, some of the Japanese gins are going to be like, really widely I like available. What the Japanese so. do with alcohol. Yeah, yeah. So some of those ones are really quite nice. So Jinzu or um, or Roku, they're they're a really nice one to start with. Uh, better than the um, uh, London. Sorry, that's my coffee machine. I didn't turn it off. Better than the London dry gin. Um, do, you, do you have a but... motorbike for a coffee machine? <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I thought that's what that was. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've got a lockdown coffee machine. Let's put it that way: a machine that produces adequately caffeinated beverage uh, quickly. Mm. 
Yeah, so I can don't have to go leave the house during lockdown. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> well, um, let's see. Should we get to? Uh, we better get to some Salesforce topics before we lose half of our yes. audience. Because we know. <laughs> It's and it's hard talking about gym at seven o'clock in the morning. Come on, I'm running on the coffee. That's true. Well, we, yeah, we should also mention that uh, you're you're really taking one for the team here. By what is it? Six? Yeah. It's what is it? Seven o'clock now? What after seven? Seven, seven a.m. And yeah, yeah you're done. Yeah, yeah, really appreciate yeah. it. I just I realized that it's really difficult to find overlapping times between Australia and the United States. Mm-hmm. I mean, afternoon your time, morning my time. It's you know, it's not too bad. Now, if we were West Coast, I guess that would be a, a little easier. You know, we would. Yeah, yeah. little. Yeah. yeah, because you're you're like ten hours in front of the dateline, and we're five hours yes. behind the dateline. Yes, yes. Uh, we're just yeah. behind. We're behind the times. Well, Literally, exactly. she's in the future right now, right? Because it's Thursday. Yes, she is. Thursday. It's going to be fifteen degrees and overcast, and and. Can winter. you tell me what the stocks so- are doing? So I can do a little trading. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you've watched too many right. 80s movies, yes. John, about yes. traveling in time. <laughs> you know, I used to hate 80s movies when I was younger, but now I just have this this love for them. Uh, but you, do you love 80s music now, too? No. <laughs> John's always hated 80s music. But I do like the new 80s music, the kind of the the new stuff that's coming that's got that 80s sound. It's like retro. Yeah. But yeah. I do like some of that stuff. Mm. That's cool. All right. Well, I have a, I have a question to get us started here, which is... Because a client asked me about this. And <laughs> why doesn't Salesforce have any kind of antivirus protection? And maybe I should back up. Does Salesforce have any kind of antivirus protection? Consumer facing? Yeah, I guess just, you know, because you can upload files into Salesforce. And that seems like a, an S show if, if there's no virus protection happening. And I couldn't find where they, where they do do any scanning. Yeah, maybe- that's a really interesting question. Again, with apart from files, why would you need it? Because everything else is coming through some form of data input, and that's, you know, hopefully cross-site scripting removed, et cetera. But, yeah, I don't know, files. I thought there was. I thought some time ago I remember some kind of warning or error or something that flagged some files that couldn't be stored. When's the last time you've seen that? Years, 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 years. I mean, I'd kind of Googled around and couldn't find much. But, yeah, it would would be files. um, What else? You know, documents, even static resources. You you could upload dangerous things to that and cause problems. Well, I suppose that's initially why you could never, um, why you you can't actually uh, upload files via the web to lead and the web to case. Because they're just like a, you know, you can shove anything into, inside of Salesforce with those things. Uh, and they've, they've got no security on them. You've just got to have an org ID. And basically you can just put anything into web to case, into cases and leads with, the, with those tools. So you can't upload files with those tools. But now with um, the public facing flows, uh, you can upload files. Uh, so, because again, files now with, uh, uh, you know, John knows this very well with the content document and the content mm-hmm. document, whatever they are, the oh, three God. different um, objects it's to content store version, a file. Content document it's, and then content yeah. document. It's the, whole, yeah. it's, it's the holy trinity of Salesforce files. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> the Father, um, the Son, the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it's so amazing uh, how few developers actually use files. I suppose it's just so hard to use them um, the, and how many 
apps still use attachments. And so, oh, sorry, I'm going to probably get on a rant here. The, 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 just the, the really bad situation we're in at the moment where you actually can't move off attachments and move to files because you've got so many attachments coming in. Um, and the tools to actually move from attachments to files are terrible and it's, it's, a, it's a complete nightmare. And I've got a blog post looming about this one, about how to how to try and handle files there, and attachments. There's no official tool, is there? It's just lab stuff, no. right? Yeah, there's a labs app and then there's a Doug Ayers app. There's yeah, which the is the one I, I remember using. I think I've used Doug's before. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And Doug's is pretty good, um, but it's the, the problem is it's not about the tool. It's about, the A, the requirement to move them, and B, the... Uh, this is the hassle of keeping up with moving them all the time. Uh, so because, you know, things, yeah, high-end tools still use, I'm not going to name names, but still use attachments Yeah. Um, mm. and don't have any option for files yet. No, I mean, so, and then plus my developers, so external developers, if it's working as attachments, I'm, I can't get them to... Um, to change their code to something with files that's really hard to, to code. And there's no simple library out there, C-sharp library, to, you know, uh, uh, plug files in via the API. So unless it comes with a C-sharp library, developers don't want to know about it. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, if they, don't, if they can't hit dot and then get yeah. a list of things yeah. to do next, they don't know what the hell to do, do they? Yeah, that's right, exactly. <laughs> Good old Visual Studio. What are you trying to say? I take that as an insult. As intended, sir. I live and die by the dot. <laughs> Even today. If it wasn't for, for Illuminate Cloud, I don't know what I'd do. Yeah, I've, I've tried to rely on that in VS Code too, and it's just something that I've never, ever really had. So you're typing code by manually, and to actually press a dot and see stuff come up, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I've always had a bad memory, so I, I really rely on it. It's not that I don't know how to do something or I don't know that the feature exists. It's just I don't spend a lot of time memorizing the semantics of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and also there's the thing where I don't know if other tools do this, but in IntelliJ, uh, you can... Like if you have a long method name, you can just type like a few letters of it, or you can type like oh, yeah. if it's you know camel cased or whatever, yeah, you, can you can type, type like the, the initials. Yeah. Uh, yes, that's a, that's a nice thing. Yeah, I mean honestly I, nowadays, and, and you know I do a lot of Java and Kotlin, which granted are are verbose compared to some modern languages. Just quit bragging. Uh, well, <laughs> some some people would not consider that a brag. Um, the cool kids, but uh, you know you got to remember that. Your tooling is writing about half of your code for you, if not more. I mean, you don't in Java, you know, you don't write getters and setters and you I never spell out things. It's just, you know, enough letters to disambiguate. And then I hit whatever it is, tab or I guess tab. Um, and it the That's IDE just finishes for me. It's It looks like I can code and type really fast, but I really can't. It's just the, I know how to I know how to operate the robot. That's a sort of different level. Like you were saying last episode, this different level of coding, and I really related to that, um, that you can code something really simple and basic and it works, and but then there's just so much of a different level for being a, a, a coder, that a developer that is doing it for their job and using all these tools and knowing all these tools and using these tools well. And for me, I would actually need to type a getter and setter because I need to understand exactly what I'm typing because I'm at the, only at that level of coding. Um, whereas when it becomes so much second nature and you can just type a few keywords and, and have it um, 
reproduce on the screen, that is really good. So that's like me with how I would be with Excel. You would fumble around in Excel because probably because you use Excel for the Mac. Um, but, you know, but I'm a pretty Excel expert. So it's just the different tools uh, and we'd use the tools that we like to use. So, you know, ne neither one is better. I, just, I, don't, I don't like the wars that go on about what's the tool to use. So how do you do feel about have, how do you feel about Code Builder then? Um, the okay, so the Code Builder announcement that came out during TDX, mm -hmm. I really struggled to get my VS Code set up in the very first place. Uh, it's again the thing where a lot of the Salesforce people are Mac users, so they're starting they're starting you know to look at Windows stuff now. But just the Java stuff on Windows is a lot harder to get the get that installed. And I know that you've talked about it previously, this, the mess with Java uh, installs at the moment since the Oracle Java went away and doing data loader um, plus VS Code plus whatever and then on Windows and having to get your environment variable set. It's a real big pain. So now that I've got my VS Code set up, it's really nice. And it's great and you know i know how to update it and everything like that but getting it set up was a really a real big thing and that's a real impediment to getting admins and uh end users onto um admins and non-developers really onto uh using vs code um now i have an illuminated cloud license um because i really like to support illuminated cloud but i just can't use it i just find it the, there's so many menus, I get so overwhelmed with it. VS Code's a little <laughs> like that, and I really try to not have so many extensions. So Code Builder, I think, is if it's going to be that one click um, from the org, like um, uh, developer console, and then it opens up and you can you can do everything, that's fine. But I, th I think the weirdest thing for me is still it's in the cloud, but you're still going to have this concept of inverted commas downloading your metadata into this tool, whereas in developer consults, all there. Um, whereas, the, the, you know, they've got the org browser uh, as the main tool in VS Code to, to download your metadata. And that's still going to be the concept, but I've got one cloud over here, one cloud over here, and I'm going to download from one to the other. And the, word, the concept down doesn't come mm. into that. Yeah. So that's going to be a bit weird. So hopefully, um, these you know, there's some going to be some cool features in, in that. At the moment, org browser is pretty cool, but it doesn't help you bring your whole org down, and it doesn't help you bring any um, managed package down. Mm. So if you're a nonprofit and you're working on the nonprofit success pack, that's a managed package, and that's at the core of everything you do with Salesforce. And so then you build your your, your uh, custom fields, custom list views, custom page views, custom flows, and uh, uh, process builders on top of that. And all browser can't see that. Right? at the moment. So Nathan did respond yesterday and say that that's coming. So that there is there is some stuff in Code Builder that I'm really excited about, but there's some stuff that's just like, yeah, we're going to wait and see. Like all this stuff at TDX is so new. Um, we've just got to wait and see. Like I tried to get um, Salesforce Anywhere installed uh, that came out at TDX also, 
And again, I don't even really, I can't, if you tell me, say, Jody, hey, what's sales source anywhere? I don't really have an answer at the moment. <laughs> that, I, would I, say I logged you, in and went to setup and it yeah. popped up a little little thing about it. Oh, you got it without, without trying. I've been trying and I can't get it. <laughs> um, so there, there are some glitches about getting it set up at the moment. So we've got to let them, let them work through that. <clears throat> so I just tried to get it set up so I could give you an opinion about it before today and I couldn't get it set up. So, um, but at the moment, apart from what's on the videos and in the release notes, I can't tell, tell you what it is. It seems to be something like quick, quip chat built into um quip chat built into salesforce so instead of you having to have a quip document attached to that record and then you can go and chat to your quip users inside of your salesforce record it's sort of like that built in yeah that's kind of how i imagined it as well it's kind of like a yeah i mean it was kind of a merge between quip and chatter in, yeah, in that you yeah, kind of have this feed it on it, but it's more real with, time with chatter because it's like quip quip chat is a very separate component than chatter at the moment. If you have quip installed, so I don't know how it's going to like function across the two different chats. Um, and I just yeah, I don't know how. So if you want to bring people in that's not in your org, I think you've got to have your quip licenses already set up with your whole team. Um, I, again, it's, it's, it's a bit unknown. Does, at the does, anyone, I, does anyone besides Salesforce use Quip? <laughs> does anyone use Quip in the wild? Well, my, I, I don't know. Maybe this is a way of making people use Quip more. Like I love <laughs> Quip, but I love any tool that has a, um, a collaborative code, ed a co collaborative editing environment. Um, and it like you know, if it's Google Docs, if it's Quip, if it's Confluence, if it's uh, even even Word at a at a pinch, uh, you know, I love those tools. Uh, so I do love Quip and anything that I do as far as wanting to share with anyone at Salesforce or anything, I'll put it in Quip. I don't have Quip attached to Salesforce, but the licensing costs of getting Quip standard versus Quip attached to Salesforce is so significantly cost, um, cost small. We've got to remember that I deal with small businesses. Yep. Um, and so this, is, this colours everything that I do with Salesforce. Mm. I can't be playing with any tool that costs money. Um, because that, that sounds a little limiting, but... <laughs> oh, it is. <laughs> It, it it is. I think I think the the main thing that I get my clients to buy is a backup solution. Um, and uh, after a few years, I've had people buy the um, uh, the, the bit where you get extra fields and extra length of time on your um, field tra history tracking, which is costs ten percent of your org value. It's too expensive. License value. Yeah, it's not. But that's at least achievable for for most small businesses. So, but I, you know, so then uh, the other thing that was released at, um, at TDX is DevOps Center. Now, where, whereas Code Builder on Twitter, they have said there will be some level of free version. Right? And I'm going to hold them to that. But, you know, there will be some level of free version. They said even, uh, it might only be in Trailhead Playgrounds, but there will be some level of free version. I think really they're uh, going to charge I, for that? Well. I, mean, I think they have to because it's, I don't know, maybe they don't. I mean, it's running in. You, you, when you spin up your code builder, 
it's running a VM. I mean, you have a little computer somewhere that's just running your yeah, but environment. Think about it. You're going to pay for a product that can't that can't cover all of your metadata. I, I couldn't deploy a uh, dependent field today because it couldn't create the relationship. You had to actually create the dependency in production before I could deploy it over so it would work. It's just little things like that. We're supposed to put everything. What in you tried? Control. What did you try deploying with? Like what? How? Which mechanism did you use for deploying? The tooling. I mean, my IDE. Okay, and like with Illuminated Cloud, you couldn't. No, no. It's 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 a it's a tooling error. It, you get an error from Salesforce oh. saying you can't deploy this. It it throws some kind of error, and I looked it up, and it it turns out that you can't deploy it because it doesn't know in the metadata how to create the dependency relationship. So you have to actually go into the UI, create the dependency. You don't have to add. So any that's of that. not in the the, the, the dependency is not in metadata. The config for it is there, yeah. but the mechanism that says enable the dependency between this field and this field apparently isn't. Or, so you or can't, it doesn't know how to. So you're saying you that. can't deploy fields that have uh, de- dependencies. If it's already de- if the dependency is already there, it it works. Well, because it's already there. <laughs> no, no, yeah, but I mean, all the, the it's it's really weird. Yeah. I'm not expecting. Well, if it's one of these things that I've uh, always struggled with, with with trying to have you know automated deployments and things like that, continuous integration, whatever, is yeah, there's just there's just blind spots or or dead areas, right? That that the metadata just doesn't yeah. either doesn't cover or they've got substantial bugs that basically make it not covered. Yeah, my only point is yeah. that I can't knowing that it just seems disingenuous to charge for a product that's going to be half-baked like that well i mean they're i feel like they're, those are totally separate things i mean yes the metadata api needs some work but to be able to have a, a, a v okay look at what jody just described in terms of getting her environment set up what a pain in the ass that is with yeah. this it's just like going to developer console but instead of developer console it's essentially like a vs code environment customized for your org just like opens right up you don't have to set your java home and install vms or you can license something from from uh, Uncle Larry or anything, you know, it's just like it's ready to go. I mean, that's pretty valuable. Yeah. I mean, I don't, you know, yeah, I mean, the code builder is coming free, apparently, right? Yeah, it's coming free. Well, th- again, th- you got to look at the Twitter thread uh, on the day it was released. Uh, they sort of didn't say outrightly that it would be free. Of course, anything that they announce as beta, they're never going to say that. No, that's true. Um, but they did say that there would be some free version. It, you know, it pro- could be. It definitely will be f- part of Trailhead with the um, your playground tra- tra- Trailhead playground orgs mm-hmm. that you will be able to access it because I need that for Trailhead. Um, but as like as as a regular user on a regular um, small business uh, enterprise org, will you be able to have it for free? I don't know. But then the DevOps Center, which was the next level tool up where you could, you know, do your issues and do your push and pull, sorry, you set up your um, your Git repo and then push it to to your, your person who's going to deploy it. Um, that, I, you know, it's unlikely that's going to be free, right? Or free, when we say free, we're going to say included in your license costs. Included right. in the in, in the the very extensive license costs that you're already paying for, um, so yeah, I like the look of DevOps Center, but it's sort of almost like I glossed over it because I don't think I'm ever going to be using it. Hmm. And uh, so a lot of the tools that come out, it's just like yes, I'm, I like functions. So I'm just so interested in, and that's great, and it's going to be fabulous. I don't think I'll ever use it. 
I'll ever get to use it. So in your workflow, are you using sandboxes to, to, to kind of do all your customizations and deploy it, or are you kind of half in both worlds? Uh, it really depends on the situation, the org, how much you're paying me, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I, and again, again, this comes back to very, it's a very different model than, than what you talk about in your, every week when you're talking about deployments. I'm never going to have a CICD tool um, set up. And I'm trying to get with the standard tools with VS Code, uh, I'm trying to get a nice workflow that makes it easy. So just in the summer 20 was released in beta, the um, source tracking on sandboxes. And that yeah. I think is going to really help a lot because you know, I, I just love scratch orgs, especially for the little bit of coding I've been doing lately. Um, the um, ability to spin up a scratch org uh, and, you know, yes, you have to use command line or you can use the menus in, in VS code. It's, it's not impossible for any admin, any um, non-developer to learn to you to set up scratch orgs. Well, you could um, you could you could always use scratch orgs. I think the difference being is that sandboxes wouldn't track the source. That's so right. You couldn't yes, use that, the CLI yep. to say that's right. Push push my or see my diffs or see what the differences right. or yep. what my changes were. Yeah, yeah. And when you see that in scratch orgs. You just think, oh, how cool is this? That I don't have to be doing everything in my VS Code or my metadata. I don't have to be track writing everything down in an Excel spreadsheet so I can I can work out what changes and are, are needed to put in the change set later. I don't have to deal with god awful change sets that need <laughs> to be retired today. Um, well, see, that that's why I thought DevOps would be so attractive because it. It's also oh, yeah. a tracking source, and it's going to do that. I think one of the challenges that, that I see everywhere is that everyone's moving so fast and making changes that they forget that they tweaked a field or they tweaked a workflow yep. somewhere, and they didn't log yep. it anywhere, and it gets missed. Yep. Oh, yeah. That's why, I mean, yep. <clears throat> like the governance and just having a process around this is becoming so much more important mm -hmm. than it used to be. I mean, because yep. we're, you know, we're, we're actually, the, the feasibility of using some of these tools that people have been using for, you know, 20 years in other environments we, you know, we're, we're getting to where we, we can start doing those types of things in the Salesforce space but all you know the people that are steeped in the, in, in the Salesforce Kool-Aid uh, they you know they're just not used to having that the kind of process and governance that you have to have around uh, you know that you have to have when you're when you're automating things like that because yeah I mean otherwise if, it's, you're, if you're spitting up an Oracle database and, and, and creating some some queries and everything on an Oracle database and bags some new fields and everything. As you say, you can package it all up and replace one with the other. You don't have to think about every single thing that you've touched and track it and put it in a change set and manually move it, right? Um, uh, yeah, yeah, your tooling does all that. You, you, you can do it just a regular binary diff to find out or text-based diff to find out the differences. We don't have that option. We've never had that option um, until these tools have come out. So I think the source tracking on sandboxes, I've got that set up. I've got a, um, a blog post about that so far. Um, I think that's going to be good. Still the issue is you have to have, uh, especially if you're using uh, non-profit orgs or managed packages heavily, you have to have another way of getting your metadata into your org. And at the moment that's go back to pack your package.xml. And at the moment in VS Code, there is no 
official Salesforce tool to, tool to build your package. To this blows out. my mind still. Yeah. Blows yeah. my mind. Yeah. To what? <laughs> I, this is the, I mean, it's almost a joke that I still say this, yeah. but I, I can, how do I get all my, how do I even get all my metadata? Like, okay, fine. I'm, I'm going to do the source tracking. I'm going to check it on to get. How do I get my metadata? It turns out there, there's not a way to do it. Not an official way. Official way. Okay. There well, you would, I would use eliminated cloud. That's what's one easy way to yeah. do it. I mean, someone, yeah. and there's, there's some tooling out there if you want to go, you know, spelunking through GitHub through some, uh, some JS force code or whatever. I yeah, mean, you can, you is. can write, I yeah. mean, the, the, the API yeah. is available to, I mean, the yeah. tooling API does expose the stuff you need to do this. But, you it know, it's a great plugin for VS Code that does it for you, very much similar to what Maven's Mate was. And as someone who learned metadata from using Maven's Mate, um, that, having that menu, the visual menu to choose my metadata that I wanted was just the best tool to understand what, how, what metadata is and what, it, what, it's, what it, I need in my, in my, when I'm looking, looking at my org from a metadata perspective. Um, and the org browser is trying to do that, right? So the org browser is good and, you, and the, what the org browser teaches you is to only download exactly what you want, right? But you, when you're dealing in a much more declarative way and you're not just writing code, you've got so much more metadata that you need to grab and every single bit of metadata is related. If you want to find which email template is used by which workflow process builder or flow um, and goes out under what conditions, there is absolutely no way in Salesforce to find that except manually. Uh, and there is no metadata, uh, like the metadata dependency API doesn't do that. So the only way to do that is to download all of that metadata yep. and do a search. text yep. search shift, on shift that metadata. Command F. <laughs> yep. Well, what yep. about now does the, does the new dependency API cover that no. at all? No, come back. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's basically picking back off of the button that you can click on the UI. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you get there's that so kind much of context, missing but there's, yeah, yeah there's that, missing context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the fact is that in Process Builder, only, like, I'm not, I'm not going to get this right now, it only does criteria and doesn't do updates or it only does updates and doesn't do criteria. And it's just like, oh, my God, how, how like, that's half-assed, really is half-assed. <laughs> and I understand that the metadata API is not there underneath to then build upon the dependency API on top of that. But we've had commitment for years now that, that they're working on metadata first, that the metadata first is their, is, their, is their, you know, really key goal to make sure that everything is covered by metadata. We're not there yet. You know, you just look at the metadata, what's that uh, website that's got the metadata status? It tells you everything. Yeah. Oh, there's a website for that? No, it's, yeah. it's it's in the documentation, right? It's kind yeah. of oh, yeah. it's tied to your org, so you can tied you can access org, yeah. it and oh. see everything. But there is kind of like a general all-purpose one that you can access, but it's yeah. more useful if you do it from your org. Okay, because the the yeah. metadata API documentation it does list the things explicitly list the things that it doesn't yes. cover. Doesn't do. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. But then, um, so another thing that was released at TDX is, um, or was it released in beta in this summer release, was the org dependent unlock package. Now, packaging scares me. 
And whenever you guys talk about packaging and especially, Jer- uh, John, when you're talking about all of your packaging org, your horror experience of being an ISV mm-hmm. um, and the packaging orgs around being an ISV, it's every single bit about packaging scares me. Apart from now, we've got this option of an org-dependent unlocked package. So when we talk about Happy Soup and we talk about that to start with DX, that you've got this misconception out there that you have to put get rid of the Happy Soup and put everything into lovely dependent packages in John's in Jeremy's perfect world that's got this, you know, namespace everything's dependent and everything's can be just installed in your org and it's just like i just i just scream there's a scream at the podcast all the yeah, time well, you no, know what i mean just coming to real life <laughs> to, to be to be clear I've, I've always said that's a non-starter there's no way that people can take their code in their org and split it into packages because Mm-mm. yeah it just we haven't we have not had the, the salesforce literally doesn't have the technology has not had the technology whether it's lack of namespaces or any of these other things that I complain about, for you to have properly architected and designed your your org so that it can not, be modularized. It's like not that. like NPM is the gold standard in this. No. You've just got to look at LeftPad and see that NPM is a steaming pile of crap also. But it's much better. Yes, NPM is a steaming pile of crap, and that, and that ecosystem has issues, but it is so much better than what we have. I will. T- okay. Anyone who has. I, look, I fully agree. Okay. I fully agree. I fully agree. But uh, what we've got is is uh, we don't have to go down the path you, to get started with using DX, to get the benefit of using DX, to get the benefit of using your metadata, to get the benefit of using scratch orgs, to get the benefit of using all this tooling. You do not have to say, I can't start with using that because I don't have my org um, happy soup sorted out. Well, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are happy to hear that. Yeah, good, good. You do not have to have a, a Mac machine. You do not have to have a Windows subsystem for Linux. You do not have to have Node installed. You do not have to know what Node is. You you can get up, set up, real, uh, you know, apart from getting the, over the the... Uh, issue of installing VS Code, just get some help with that. I've done a video um, or get just so, get someone, oh, I'm happy to help. If you're an admin and you want to get set up with VS Code, I'm happy to help. But just, just get, after you get started, there are ways you can use VS Code. And again, I'm, go, I'm going to say VS Code because I think Illuminated Cloud is a, definitely a developer tool and I love it. It's great. I just, I, I'm, I'm, trying to just get really, really, really functional with VS Code like I was with Maven's Mate first. And, and it's much more accessible at the moment just for to get any any admin, any you know, beginning developer or anyone who's not doing this stuff, who's just looking after their orgs and not doing coding every single day, um, you can get so much benefit out of using DX and, and to VS Code. I wonder, I mean, what, what are your... I can think of the typical admin out there um, who, let's say, maybe has uh, part-time access to like a, a developer, or maybe they've got a develop like a consultant that uh, is a developer that they can. I can bring in sometimes, but uh, other it's it's basically that's that their access to to development people is is very limited. Um, so it's pretty much up to the admin to make you know to 
to make decisions around, you know, architecture and the design of their org and also all the processes around it. You know, the governance, the processes, um, you know, how you how you get how do you go from an idea for a change to it being into production? Um, what what are the, like for that typical admin? Okay. Can so, I have like um, three steps or like here, you know, yeah. okay. <laughs> I'm really glad you at least said an admin does the architecture and does everything. So I think we get in in this world of admin versus dev, we get this complete um, dichotomy between you're an admin, you only do that, right? You're a dev, you only do that. No, you've got to get over that. You've got to understand that admins can code, admins can, uh, uh, like, flow is code. It's just, it yep. you yep. have to, mm. um, you, I think you have actually said this, Jeremy, you have to understand how to, uh, uh, th- that it is code. You are writing code just in a, in a visual way. Mm-hmm. And you have to um, understand all of the ramifications of writing that code and you have to understand your order operations, etc. So don't just sell off admins as being a couple of pe- people that press a couple of buttons and maybe add a field to a page layout, right? The, uh, the role of a Salesforce admin is so much broader than that and so uh, all-encompassing. And it might just be to the point of I don't code like batch jobs because it's really quite difficult but i will code you know if i absolutely needed to do a trigger i'd probably find any other way of doing it other than a trigger um but i would um you know i'd happily code at class with a SQL statement in it to 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 get some data out um but you know so then you ask for three steps still right at the moment i haven't got those exact three steps down pat that i could just say step one step two step three Generally speaking, it is spin up your VS code, um, have, uh, you know, authorize your org, bring down the metadata, and this is the bit that's still hard, bring down your metadata sounds easy. Um, so it should there's be. a great... It should be a button. <laughs> yeah, there's a great plugin, as I said, uh, and I'll put it in the show notes, that has the... Um, that one of the community has written and it's very similar to Maven's mate and you can choose which metadata and makes package XML and then you can retrieve that from your org. With this new, with the new push and pull from or source tracking from sandboxes, that's going to be great. But it comes with a huge big caveat at the moment. Again, everything in the first release always comes with 10,000 caveats and it's really hard to use. Um, it, it only works on developer and developer pro sandboxes. So if you don't already have, again, and, and you have to have a re- brand new refreshed after summer 20 okay. sandbox yep. for this to work because you've got to turn on an option in, in, in your, in your pr- production org. So the, the issue there is that you don't have any data in your sandbox. Right. So unless you have tooling or a good way of getting your data into your, your, your developer sandbox, um, then that's really hard. Right. Uh, so if you can get over that hurdle, then you've got your source tracking from your sandbox and then, right, and then so you've got done all your changes and know exactly what's changed. You've put it in Git and you can see a diff in Git and all this sort of stuff and it's really great. And then you can deploy. Now, I've written a blog post around deployment from, um, from uh, VS Code. Again, I'm not talking CI, CD tools. I'm not talking any fancy tools. I'm just talking, what can you do from VS Code? 
And there are some fabulous deployment options for VS Code. If you're deploying one piece of code or one folder or one thing, but this uh, thing that John was just talking about, the different dependencies and trying to uh, trying to just deploy one field and it's got all these other dependencies, that is still an issue, right? Now, change sets, despite their absolutely god-awful, terrible, horrible <laughs> UI, um, do do that somewhat well you know at least you can press a button and says show me all my dependencies um and we just don't have that yet what is my dependencies or how can i deploy everything that i know that i've touched um and that's the sort, of, sort of hard bit right at the moment well how, how, how to get a folder quickly that you can do deployments can i can i just interrupt for one second Yes, because this is why I always say, because this is how we that's this is how we de we develop software, uh, mm. you know, in, in normal normal world. Mm. You you don't think of your product, your org, in this case, mm. as um, a couple of files have changed here and there. You you think about it in its totality. You mm. because when you when you have something working in your in your yeah. sandbox over here and it's and you've you've made the changes you've done a little bit of code you've run your test everything's great it's pat you know people have signed off on it you want that exact entire set of bits then to go to production and, and, if, and if you're having to well, that is fantasy yeah well. and you keep saying it and i keep yelling at the podcast saying <laughs> jeremy you're living in fantasy world i do well, source control <laughs> kind of gets us closer to that because now you're tracking closer. source and you can see the diffs and it's tracked externally but that's very dependent on everything being in metadata or being in source control. Yeah, right, and you right. can't you can't have everything in metadata. You well, can't. we'd like to. Well, why can't they just you? Don't yeah. give us. What? They don't right. give us everything. I mean, you you say, you're saying currently, Jody, that you can't yes, or or currently, okay, yeah, yeah, currently, yeah. currently, yes. <laughs> um, okay, so um, yeah, no, it's like for me to actually finally say to you, Jeremy, face to face, Jeremy, you're living in fantasy world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it feels so good. <laughs> Uh, so there are there are there are ways and they're they're definitely um there's constraints and they're they're flawed but there are ways to do this and and there are still times when you have to do things manually right um, even just get having your sandbox apart apart from if it is a like even a even a brand newly refreshed full sandbox i do have one client that has a full sandbox um uh and you know, do you know how much full sandboxes are? Like thirty percent of your licensing value. <laughs> yeah, they're expensive. You know, you know? do you know um, how much the, a gig of storage is? <laughs> yeah, well, actually, I do. I used to know because it used to be a real problem. But now, with a with an extra data storage, thank you, Salesforce, the extra data storage being included in your licensing, it's actually all of that has gone away. Most yeah. of that has gone away. Wait, what? What's this? All the three, about three or four releases ago, they gave you 10 times their standard data storage. You now get 10 gigabytes. Are we talking about file data storage or, or no, the data default. storage? So the, data base, storage. the base, I think, yeah, used to be base data five, storage. Yeah. and then it's 10, and then it's plus users. Right. So they okay. gave you yeah. more of that. Base. So the base is higher now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 The, and again, I don't have uh, my biggest August 130 users. Um, I, I don't have um orgs with huge users, so the user count doesn't normally come into it. Right. 
So, okay. so yes, not previously I did have to get my clients to buy a, a gig of data storage well, and we really had to do really creative things to not use um, uh, data storage. Oh, you mean like flatten everything out into like 100,000 fields? <laughs> <laughs> which I've done. Okay, no, 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 no. We'll put they all of that in one record. They allow no, no, no. 500 fields per object, so yes. No, no, that, that would be denormalizing your data. Now, I ha I knew what third normal form was before I was even knew what a database was, right? Um, and it's just like I went to university and then uh, just to learn to uh, – to get qualified for doing what I was already doing, and which is database work, and it's just like, Oh, oh, there's a name for that, you know? So for me, normalization of your database is key. Absolutely it's, important. It's just expensive in yeah, Salesforce land. Well, now, sorry, have, sorry. now have they changed what you get per user? Because I think for the longest time it was a it was a generous fifty megabytes. Megabytes for the for the kids yeah, out there. Yeah, that's Those that are uh, a thousand times less than a gigabyte. <laughs> well it's all additive. Um no, not until you not until you pay back the what they gave you for free. Then it becomes additive. No. Yes. It's no. Unless that's changed. Unless that's changed. That's, that's additive. Additive. Mm -hmm. Okay. Again, this is the other thing I yell at you all the time. God, you've got to keep up more. <laughs> oh, well, that's why we. That's why you're on the show, Jody. Got to catch me up. Ah, <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm. I'm someone who reads every single. Uh, just about every single uh, part of the, as the core. I don't care about marketing cloud and commerce cloud, but as the core, I read every single part of the release notes. Um, so I do keep up. And it's no really wonder you need so much yeah. coffee. And see, wh why would I? Why would I release? Why would I read the release notes when I've got you on 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 DM, Jody? You know. Okay, well then you need to check <laughs> with someone before you do a show around release times and talk talk about the new features. <laughs> and it's just like, no, Jeremy, you just don't quite have that right yet. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm stuck in at, 2005. At when you were doing the live shows, at least you could ask into the void and someone would answer you. <laughs> you know, there's no reason we couldn't be doing this live now too. But shouldn't I go back to live? I don't know. I have no idea. The problem idea. was the timing. Well, people yeah. people say now that because everyone's stuck at home due to the, oh. the corona, that people would you know people want to people want to sit at home and listen live. Yeah. We totally it'd be, could. It'd be, we could do it, try try it. You know, it's it always it's always going to be too difficult for me because it's always going to be early morning and your brain's not functioning well. So um, yeah, but it's fine. You know, yeah, and that's the hard thing. The hardest thing to get it, it, it like when we did the. Uh, get together on Skype a few weeks ago or mm. Zoom a few weeks ago. It's so hard. You guys are drinking and, you know, and I'm sitting here having coffee. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've got a, 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 I've got, I've got a happy hour with some Salesforce people to, tomorrow night, six o'clock. And it's just like, great. It's with some European people. And it's just like, great. I get to drink <laughs> right. while they're having coffee. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I always thought we should do that again. It was, it was pretty fun. Yeah, it was oh. fun. The, the the problem is there is just no one time around the world that is inclusive for everyone. No, nope. and um and unfortunately Australia and uh, uh, Asia Pacific misses out in just every single aspect because the Salesforce is so US centric, and then of course the next thing they're going to be centered on is um Europe. So yeah, we miss out, and that's just the reality of life, you know. So I'm so very grateful to those that have, um, that do allow people to um, uh, do have like webinars that are 10 a.m. or 4 p.m. Pacific, you know, so that we can join in d different um, 
times if they have it in the morning and the afternoon. Do you know that True to the Core is now going to be a monthly thing? No. Yeah. It's, With who? They haven't released... They haven't released a date. Well, unfortunately, True to the Core is now part of uh, Idea Exchange Reimagined. Oh. <laughs> so it's gonna, um, this is going to get worse. Yeah. Uh, well, and was I the only one that just like felt like Parker had kind of checked out on that last True to the yeah, Core? Yeah. No, you weren't the only one. I think those, those comments were valid. Um, and the whole question about S-Controls was just so... Like, it was a joke. It was a joke, and they just it, none of them got oh, it. Well, it showed showed me that 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 they just uh, like it was almost like they thought that True to the Core was a joke. Um, and it because it was a tw- it was a thirty minute session. You do your you know you meet and greet, and then you got twenty five minutes, and they used over five minutes on the S control question. And they didn't realize they were being trolled. I mean, that that's well, kind of concerning, how our right? Fees when we talk about non-Salesforce stuff for over fifteen minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was so disappointing. But you know, they've now at least got to do. And the thing, unfortunately, the thing is, we, we've never had a definition of what core is. What I say, what true to the core is, and what you say, true to the core is, are going to be two different things. Um, and what someone who uses Mark and Cloud is going to say is, well, Mark and Cloud has true to the core issues also. Just because it's an add-on that costs a bazillion dollars, um, it still has some serious issues that have baked in there from the beginning and need to be dealt with, and that's exactly what true to the core is. Um, and Commerce Cloud, again, ha- was as, as it was a bolt-on and used to be another product, has a whole lot of stuff that is, you know, could be called core of Commerce Cloud. Of course, I'm never going to be interested in marketing cloud or commerce cloud, but the um, the, the idea exchange reimagined now has commerce cloud stuff in there, and it takes up two of the slots of the ten ten slots. It's just like, oh my god, just you know, it's <laughs> core and developer stuff. Get rid of like if you want a true to the core or an idea exchange reimagined for marketing cloud or for commerce cloud, go and make it. Yeah. But get out of the way of my true to the core, you know? The other thing is, like, you know, for a true to the core, I mean, who who would you really want there? Do, I mean, do you want Parker there? Would you want Mark Benioff there? I mean, they don't... No. Uh, yeah, I mean, no. they're just... They're, their heads are in the cloud. <laughs> um, and, so, yeah, I, I don't know. You want the product managers there. You want the product managers... Like, when you can sit down with a product manager and talk to a product product manager and, uh, and hear them talk about what they're building, like... It's so exciting hearing them talk about and hearing them talk about what they're building. They just get so constrained by the Borg and by the marketing and can't talk about this and it's, you know, a safe harbor and Oh, they're very um, disciplined, very disciplined. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. And it's and it's and it's so hard because I you know, just 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 tell us, just tell us what's going on, just tell us what you're planning, just give us a hint. We, we we're all adults here, we know safe, safe harbor. Yeah, look, I you know, dynamic forms have come out this release and it's not ready. It's not ready at all. It's it's they've in, even invented a new term. It's called a um oh, I can't even remember what the term is. Like a pre-released uh like yeah, the it's a completely other level of service term. Mm. It's a non-GA preview, is that's what it is. It's a non-GA preview. Okay. Um and and so we've now got some inkling of what that means. It means 
we've put it out there for you to test out and it's in production. You can put it in production in half of your production. It's only available in half of it. It's not available on standard objects yet. Um, but the, the non-GA preview thing is not going to, if it has performance issues, you can't put a support ticket in for the performance issues. If it, if it brings the performance of your whole org down, you know, you can't put a support ticket in. And I think that's So what is reasonable. the mechanism for feedback then? Um, there's a, a, a group, um, mm. a chatter group on oh, the success fun. community. Fun. Um, so, um, and I think this is, this is good. Like all, all of the new features, you've got flow, all the new flow stuff, uh, Salesforce Anywhere, and, um, Dynamic Forms, all have a, a chatter group and you get, can get on that and you can really talk to the product managers directly. I got asked recently um, on a, on a questionnaire that, that asked, you know, what were some of the issues? And I think, I think one of my feedback was that there's just way too many places to, to go to try to communicate with Salesforce. You have tickets, oh, you yeah. have chatter, you have all these different segmented groups and there's just no yeah. one way to kind of bring everybody together. I think it's a big challenge. So, so the ideal is to have that every single feature has a success community group. I'm going to keep calling them a chatter group um, on the success community, which is the Trailblazer community. Um, and the product managers are there, visible. You know who they are and they're engaged, right? That is the ideal, right? And if we had, if, if we had, my my fantasy land that I live in, Jeremy, is a I want a website that lists every single feature of Salesforce, who the product manager is, their their email address, the chatter group that discusses their feature, their their like you know you know Microsoft has a um like a release uh, the document planning on what they are roadmap document mm -hmm. published roadmap document. Salesforce has a couple of slides that you can download a screenshot from a presentation on the TDX. And every single slide is different. Now, this sounds like something that the GDS army could, could do, <laughs> right? I've been collecting, collecting all of those um, slides. And the, and the thing is, every single time they present them, it changes. <laughs> well, that, that's why it has to be collaborative yeah. because it does yeah, change yeah. so often. Like no one yeah. person could maintain that. Would yeah, you recommend yeah, I, Quip for that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it depends. Can we get free licenses no, for it? <laughs> no, I would not recommend Quip for that because Quip with images is horrible. Uh, putting embedding images in Quip is just the most worst part about Quip. I feel the same way about um, Google Docs. So, so I, how, I is it, how is it? That, how is it? How is it that I, that I, if you can't get GIFs and JPEGs right, I'm <laughs> supposed to believe that you have AI right? Right. Well, they don't. They're removing voice services, aren't they? Oh, that's true. Yes. Yes. Their voice is now gone. No, wait no, a minute. No, they're, no. they're moving them. Okay. They're just moving the moving cheese them. on that one. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I've now seen two things saying that it's um, moving to Salesforce anywhere. That article was in, in um, Slack the other day, and there was a Salesforce Ben blog post last week. It said, both said that. That's the only two things I've seen about that. Again, getting back to Salesforce Anywhere, what is it? Um, there, what was shown at TDX and what is in the release notes, there's two things uh, missing um, that I can see. One of them is the, the Zoom or Chime integration. 
um, where you can just spit up a video call from your record. Um, and the other one is just, you remember that um, thing where it had like, it was like a Google Docs thing where I can see your cursor on the Google Doc. Um, it was, you could see who was editing this record. I thought that was anywhere. Was that, is that not mm -hmm. an anywhere? Okay. No, that's, okay. Uh, it's part of anywhere. Now okay. that's not part of this release of anywhere. Um, and what a silly name. <laughs> anywhere. Um, uh, anyway. They should have called it one. Wasn't there a, what was it? PC anywhere? Was that a thing? It is a thing. Okay. It yes. is. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, that's, looks like what the cache and validation or the live records was called cache and validation about two TDXs ago. Um, and then it was called live records at some point. And then it was a pilot and then it disappeared. Um, uh, Sometimes so pilots disappear, sadly, tragically. Yes. yes. <laughs> the Bermuda Triangle of, of enterprise computing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, uh, the, when I asked on the chatter group about that, the PM did say We've, we're reimagining it. Yeah, you know, or mm. something along those lines, which is valid. I mean, I think they should have yeah. the opportunity yeah. to do that. I think yeah. so, I think the one thing that lacks with all the marketing and everything that Salesforce does is that we lose the human factor of it. I can tell you that mm. from from having access to product managers and and having conversations, it kind of humanizes the issues to to a mm. certain extent. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, like, uh, when you can get a product manager and give them. A lot of resource and a lot of you know leeway my god they can come up with some really amazing stuff you know the one of the things that came out in the last couple of releases that was just like came out of the box unexpected in a release note fully fledged in the first release was guided actions no, um so, so is that what it's called it's not called guided actions um uh in-app guide in-app guidance yeah, something like that. I don't show about. Yeah, in-app guidance. That was a really cool pro product, right? Unfortunately, now marketing and licensing has got in the way, and the absolutely coolest feature on top of that is all, which is walkthroughs, mm -hmm. has now been taken away from in-app guidance, and you can. It's part of in-app guidance still, but you can only have it if you have my trailhead licensing. Oh wow. And it's just like, oh my god! You just—I don't, don't think anybody care. was using Maltra, my trailhead. Well, isn't that why that they've just put the coolest feature of in-app guidance, you know, <laughs> linked to my trailhead licensing? Mm. Um, and again, you know, again, when I'm coming from my point of view of being working with small businesses, there's no way in hell I'm going to be touching my trailhead. Well, no, because it's proprietary. I mean, everyone yeah. has built on on the one or two standards out there for learning content and. It, they'd have to rewrite everything's proprietary specific for trailhead that, that the whole my trailhead thing that that reminds me of when you know you build something for someone and then yeah they're like you, you know what yeah. let's let's yeah. let's package us yeah. and sell it no yeah. i think yeah. now the, the whole learning content industry is kind of old and it hasn't really advanced much so i can yeah. see salesforce perspective and trying to tech quote unquote disrupt the industry but without having some kind of import tool or some kind of way of making it yeah. easy to transfer that yeah. content. It's and as much as you say, you, you don't need SCORM compliance because you're different. Right. And unfortunately, uh, John, you know, in the industry, you do need SCORM compliance. You know, yeah. everything, everything SCORM, that's what that. it is. I was, I was yeah. going to say Scorch. There's SCORM <laughs> and there's XA, XAPI. Yeah. yeah. That's the newest yeah. one. Zappy. The quote unquote and, newest one. <laughs> okay. And the, 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 the biggest thing with my trailhead, it's the licensing is, is, is difficult to get to 
But the thing is, the licensing is the first part about it. There's so much work that you need to do to get uh, to get your content in there mm-hmm. and to maintain your content and to track your content, to track who's doing it and all that stuff. It's a huge undertaking. Yeah. And no org is going to do that without like the right people in place, you know, it's like, it's just like Salesforce trying to sell, um, you know, part of marketing cloud to a small business. It's like, I, I, if you, unless you have grown out of every single other tool possible, then you do not touch any one of those, uh, those big tools like my, my trailhead, like marketing cloud, like part you, if, yeah. if you have a lead gen problem, you you make sure that you have dealt with every single way of doing that in your base Salesforce org first, and then you still can't get those leads processed in a in an appropriate way. Then we can start talking about part of. Well, I've always viewed it kind of the flip. I, a small mm. business has probably the most complex requirements as anybody, and mm, yes, and they have the least amount of resources. Someone yes. like an enterprise can take that off 1% of a requirement and go, yeah, we can just throw people at that problem. But a small business yeah. can't. Yeah. So automation no. is, is key to them. However, all these tools and the automation that we're talking about costs quite a bit. And so you but have to really There are so justify. many third-party lead gen tools out there or ma- marketing automation tools out there or uh, you know automation tools out there that you can use so well and so good before you use a Salesforce product. Um, and, and it's just like... Well, that's it, not what the account executive told me, Jody. <laughs> I'm not an account executive. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm a pragmatic person. I'm there for my client, for my client's needs. From, I under, well, I that's get what into, consultants I, are supposed to do. Yeah. I'm, I'm, and I'm not a, a typical consultant because I don't do churn burn. I don't do just your Salesforce implementations and leave them on, on their own. I take on a client and I'm their client. They're my client for the long term yeah. until they get sick of me and get rid of me. Well, okay. Can, can, can we use that just to, I guess, maybe yeah. pivot just at least for yeah. a few minutes? Because, and, and I'm, I've got plenty of time, Jody, but I know you've got to stop. Yeah. But I, I do want to talk a little bit just That's about fine. your, because I've, I've always um, kind of admired and been a little bit jealous of um, your business model. Yep. And, you know, so I, I know you're an independent consultant and yep. um, obviously you're really active in just in the Salesforce community, MVP for a long time, all those sorts mm-hmm. of things. But tell us a little bit about your business. I mean, because the one thing I want to just make sure we cover is, you know, your blog and your 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 confluence that you yes. share publicly and some of these products yes. you've done. But like, just yeah, just yes. like tell us a little bit about, you know, how your business works, what you do. OK, so I have probably, you know, Depending on depending on the day, anywhere between half a dozen and ten clients, because um, a lot some of my clients they just they call me when when they, when they need me, and that's fine. Um, but it's still you know I've got that string to them. I've got that mental string connected to them. That they they're they're my client, um, and I'm their partner. I'm their partner of choice. So, yeah. so my ideal client is someone that I can be their technology person of choice. And I really try every single, I try all the time to say that I'm not just about Salesforce. Um, and for a small business, I can't be. 
But every single thing that I try and use that is not Salesforce, I keep coming back to Salesforce and say, I can do that. I know that I can do that so well in Salesforce. And again, no matter how much you you criticize Salesforce, again, I know Jeremy, you do this every time, and I, you know, really love when you say these things. It's just like the benefits we get from using Salesforce is just amazing. You know, you don't have to think about, um, you know. you get to use a login. You don't have to really think about security. Yes, you do have to think about security, but you, you you think about it at the application layer. You don't have to think about the network layer. And, you know, that just that benefit is just so fabulous. And, yes, we, we pay a lot of money. To, our clients pay a lot of money to Salesforce for this. But it's worth it. I tried Honeycode the other day. And, again, it's a free tool. You can't compare it to Salesforce, but it's actually really hard to set up, you know. Um, so... That's the new Amazon low-code um, tool. Oh, I heard about that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't think it was yeah. ready. I think that it was kind no, of... No, it's not, it's, not, it's not ready. It's not ready. Yeah. But it's fine. It's fine, you know, as, as a sort of this is the sort of thing you can do. Um, so, yeah, so I have... Um, and my clients are in... I do not... You know, the Salesforce, standard Salesforce thing, where they only have one persona. If you don't fit that one persona, you are... You're really quite stuffed. Your one persona for using Salesforce is a B2B company who sells widgets. Mm. Um, and if you don't fit that that persona, you've got to work around. So the classic one that doesn't fit that persona is nonprofits. And so that's where the nonprofit success packers come from. And that does a really good job of handling the nonprofit persona and the nonprofit business. Um, and it's a, it's a you know it's a great tool. Unfortunately, now they're Again, marketing's got in the way. Now it's part of Salesforce.com. And, you know, there's been a lot of blog posts about this. Um, yeah, that was that, really controversial, right? I mean, just, yeah. 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 Mm. But it's just all these new features now that Volunteers for Salesforce is going to be a paid product, et cetera. Um, and that's, you know, and that's, again, really difficult for nonprofits. But, again, you've got, I've, got, I've got nonprofit clients who don't pay any money to Salesforce. Mm-hmm. And of course, Salesforce. You know, even though that's a gift, they want they want nonprofits to pay money. Um, so um, yeah, it's so yeah. I've got a couple of nonprofit clients, but the thing is, for me, as I said, my ideal client is someone who is not one of those that standard personas who sells widgets to B two B customers. Yeah. I actually do have a client that sells widgets to B two B customers. They're on a group edition org. <laughs> A which edition? Group edition. A oh, group. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. And I have been working with them for six years, and working with them for six years to do every single thing to either get rid of Salesforce or move to enterprise. Um, and so that was that has been involved in getting their manufacturing side on the cloud, getting their accounting side on the cloud, getting rid of their old um, Exchange server server in their in their office. Um, and getting there, getting online ordering. Once we've done, and we're just about to get the online ordering, the website up and running. Once we get that, then we can start talking about Salesforce and yeah, start talking about yeah. integration. So it's that sort of thing that I like. I like to talk about integration. I like to talk about um, using the the tool that is the best product um, for your needs. The, the like. In Australia, most businesses use zero. I use zero. My, that, I run my little business on zero. 
Yeah, yeah. I so do I. Yeah, I think, but they're based um, out of New Zealand or Australia. I can't remember. New, New, New Zealand. Zealand. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My um, accountant, so my been... my CPA hates me because I guess the default like chart of accounts in mm-hmm. the I don't know if this is like a a um, a, 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 a Commonwealth thing or if it's just a, if it's zero, an Eastern thing, zero. but they're yeah their their chart of accounts is they just call things differently. And they're not exactly the same. Yeah. My my accounts always like. Oh, you have yeah, to do this. Yeah. I'm like, well, Every- it was at the time, it was a hell of a lot better than QuickBooks Online. I can tell you that. Okay. So the history of accounting in Australia is everything Everything was myob. Um, used to be called yeah. mind your own business. Yep. Um, and then it became myob. Um, and Quicken never got a really big foothold here in Australia, which I know in the US it was a big thing. Um, and, if, and, and of course, it's from the tax. So in 2000, we had the, the uh, ANTS, a new tax system. Um, which introduced the GST, uh, 10% GST, goods and services tax. Um, so as part of that, we had a, a nationwide um, uh, thing of upgrading our tax systems around the world. So every basically all of the accounting systems had to join into this uh, program to, uh, they had to upgrade their accounting systems and upgrade this. And so there's probably 10 companies that joined this ANT system and got their systems up and running. And and so if you weren't really part of that, you sort of didn't get the buy-in because everyone ch- had to change their, their accounting systems at that time to be prepared for the new GST. Um, so, yeah, everyone basically went to Myob and Myob was it and Myob was king. And Myob just hasn't done their move to the cloud um, mm, very well. Interesting. So but Zero has come along and said, we we do things differently and we do things you know um well and it's all cloud and they've got a great api and it's and it's really good and i, so, I try not to hold this against them but they're they run on a dot net <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so it's, it's but it's a really different way of under, doing accounting and accountants don't like it you're either you're either you either get on board um, with the way Zero does things, it's almost like Salesforce. You either get on board with how Salesforce does things, or you rant and rave and and uh, hate Zero um, for, forever. And when one of my clients was an accountant, and she was a Myob accountant, and she was you know trained Myob partner and all of this stuff, and she would never ever 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 was going to touch um, anything other than Myob, and she didn't want to move to Myob for the cloud. So of course we didn't have any way of integrating our mm. you know uh, website to the Myob. Um, there was ways doing it, but just nothing, nothing ever worked. And then last year, she came to me. And she said, "We're moving to zero and it's just like, "Oh my God!" I like the person who would never move to zero, moving to zero. So uh, that's what I love to do is all of that integration stuff. Yeah. You've got the best product out there for your business, and how do we make that smooth, that process smooth? So um, I've got now this client's a nonprofit, and they've got their website. And the website runs WooCommerce and they've got the shopping cart on the website and the website brings the data into Salesforce via a custom API um, using the new composite APIs. And that's really quite cool. I know you like think the composite APIs are really cool. Yeah. No. And that comes into Salesforce mm-hmm. into a um, application in uh, IS3 product in Salesforce. And then that handles the integration into zero. So, um, I love doing that sort of stuff, just tying everything together and using tools. I've got another client who does um, uh, v- vending machines and shopping centers. And that's a wow, that's an area that blows my mind. Yeah. That I, I can get I can get really into that sort of um, 
area of expertise and understand, you know, like a little bit about how sort of, for example, a Coke vending machine, these are not Coke vending machines, but for example, how a Coke vending machine works and how they now have tap and pay. Oh, they um, can also have the Einstein thing. They can, it can look at the, <laughs> the cooler, the Coke cooler, yeah. and yeah, it can yeah, yeah, see yeah, yeah, which yeah, products are yeah. out. Remember that, John? Remember that, that demo? Was, and a drone as well, right? <laughs> I guess. That was, that what do you mean, guess? They flew a drone into Moscone that, with that, that was Coke. That was Richard Socher's uh, kind of debut at Salesforce after they bought whatever his company that was. That was 2016. <laughs> the very wow. first time they did the Coke thing was 2015. That was when I was the last at Dreamforce. Um, uh, yeah, no, we're talking about just Coke vending machines. And so uh, they now have have um, um, pay, what we, we call it pay pass here, um, but tap and go uh, vending um, on, on them. So, you know, in, in the US, uh, you, you now have the ability to just tap and go because if you've got Apple Pay. Yep. Um, in Australia, that is part of the banking system and it is uh, available to anyone. Every single card is chip enabled. Every single card can, can tap and go up to um, $200 value. Um, hmm. So you don't have to have Apple Pay. You don't have to be tied to any one system. Every single card is enabled. And this uh, uh, COVID times has changed the way that um, we use electronic payments in this country. They said it's brought, it's brought us forward about 10 years in um, bringing in more uses of electronic payments so every single vending machine now you'll find has a tap and go on it. And just those little the devices to do that is, you know, that costs lots of money for every single machine. So it's a lot of money to retrofit all of those machines. And then the software that does it, that tra tracks every single um, credit card transaction and the payment gateways. And, um, you know, so we, we get th hundreds of thousands of transactions per day. Are those coming into Salesforce? And they're coming into Salesforce. And, right? and what kind of data plan do they have with Salesforce? <laughs> <laughs> because, and they're coming into, and I've, again, I had to think of 10,000 ways of doing this. And again, we're trying to talk about, if you talk to a Salesforce AE as to how to solve this, they'll say, they'll say MuleSoft. Right? Oh, of course. Because yeah. they've been trained to say that anything that is integration is MuleSoft. Yep. No, my client doesn't have $250,000 to spend on licensing. Yeah. I, I don't know how training. much MuleSoft costs. Right, yeah, um, but but no, we ha I have to think about every way of doing this possible. That is, and and again, it's the limitations of the company that it has the um, the vends, all of the vend data. Um, so it is, it's so interesting, so exciting, and I've built something that is so fragile, <laughs> mm. and but it and it uses five different systems, but it works. But the thing is, it's fragile. And this is, again, goes back to exactly what you are talking about last, last week. This difference between something that works and something that is just works seamlessly without any involvement and everything. Yeah, I get notifications about this, this um, integration every day, about how many vendors have come into the system. And the reason it has to come into Salesforce is called all the assets are in Salesforce mm. and they're all tracked in Salesforce and you've got to go out and service them and you've got to understand um, uh, and, you, and you've got a, a field service package that goes out where the guys have to go out and service them, the team have to go out and then service them. So that's a full, uh, you know, a full business, um, everything apart from, you know, their invoicing I handle in their, in their Salesforce org. It's so interesting, right? So, um, 
Yeah, so it's just, uh, so I, uh, for that one, I use a tool called Skivia, S-K-Y-I-V-A. Hmm. And it's a, integ- a data integration tool. Um, and again, it's all to do with the limitations uh, of what this other end user system is. And again, Jeremy, this is why I love hearing you talk about integrations, because it is all about understanding the other system that you're working with, understanding your data. It's exactly what Chuck was saying the other day. People actually don't understand their data. And I love that sort of stuff, understanding the data, understanding how things work, understanding where the data needs to go from where, you know, et cetera. So, yeah, this, this, this integration we've got is built on strings and, um, and wire and it um, sometimes fails and it sometimes fails because their end fails, it sometimes fails because one of the other tools fails. Uh, um, but And then I've got a big batch job that runs every night that then processes the data after it comes in and actually the data has to come in from, other data has to come in from another system um, and we have to match them up based on external keys. So I've got to then wait another day before I can process them. Mm-hmm. So within two days, and again, I could really streamline that down if we had <clears throat> much more resources we could chuck at it. Sorry. But within two days, everything's processed and everything's matched up and, and you know, exactly um, how much uh, each machine is making. And it's really, really fun. I really love doing that sort of stuff. You know, and sometimes, you know, it's, it's, you, you, go to battle with the army you have right Mm, um and you need something that just gets you down the road and keeps you in business you can't afford the best thing out there it's you know uh mulesoft is is a good is a good platform Mm. um you can build good integrations with mulesoft it connects to lots of things it's got some good tooling around it and things um then if you can afford it and if and if it if its features make sense great um some sometimes you can't afford it or sometimes you know and this is, I mean, you could really, I guess, say this generically about anything, but sometimes you just need the thing that gets you down the road and keeps you in business so that maybe one of these yeah. days you can afford the shiny thing. You know, you can, yeah. you, 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 you build your business and mm-hmm. you improve your numbers and then, and then you got to look at, okay, we've improved our numbers. We've, we built a business. We've got more to defend and protect. So now we, then now let's look at upgrading some tools, mm. buying that insurance policy we couldn't buy, hiring that person we didn't think we could afford, all, all those sorts of things. You know, you can't do everything at once always and you'd have to just make those trade-offs and they're they're hard but you know with again with a you know it's 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 good to have if you do have like an honest consultant or someone right who has done these things before that yeah because it's just so as a business owner or manager of in in a business it's just really hard to to be able to make those decisions um because you feel like you're just guessing you're just like spitballing like yeah, I don't know, I don't know if I, I need this if this two thousand dollar thing, or if I need to, if I need this two hundred thousand dollar thing. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that's my job as is to be their trusted technology advisor, um, to really help them to fit everything together. So if you're using um, a, a campaign monitor for your ma- for your mailings, like learn to use campaign monitor really well. If you've got three lists and four or five lists in campaign monitor then I need to know exactly know, understand why you've got five lists in Campaign Monitor or MailChimp. Like th- that's not using the tool well. So that's part of what I've got to do tomorrow is do a big Campaign Monitor training with one of my clients who's um, had some change of staff. Um, so, and then I've got another client who does uh, contract documentation and that's DocuSign and uh, that's Conga. But one of my other clients, I use DrawLoop. Um, so, you know, just automating contract documentation. 
So uh, I will do most things that are not banking, telco or finance because my background is I am qualified as a builder, a home builder mm. uh, from many, 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 many years ago. Oh, wow. Um, and so construction is my background. It's, it's my first uh, love, my first career was as an architectural draftsperson in, back in the days before computers. Um, and so for me, and I was a, a construction estimator. It's my construction job most previous to really switching to IT. Um, so this whole idea of understanding how a building gets put together and so you have to estimate it. You have to understand um, every single part about how you're going to process the work through the building, build the building, what all of the components are, how much what value they have, what quantity, what size they have. All of that is very similar to building software. Hmm. So I like building software rather than building construction because it's a lot quicker turnaround <laughs> generally yeah, yeah. <laughs> and a lot easier and um and making mistakes in construction is a lot generally much more uh, costly than making mistakes in software uh so i just really prefer writing uh, building software so that's why i do it so um yeah so and that's why i i don't it didn't grow up you know uh in my career in talking to banking talking to telcos talking to insurance companies um so i don't have the language so i do have the language of businesses that actually make stuff so i like to have businesses that make stuff not just money yeah that's interesting all right yeah. well let's um i want to make sure we get to yeah. yes your also um your uh what do you call it What's the confluence, your confluence site, oh, and also and, and some of these uh, some of these products you've done that you just put yeah, out there yeah. for people. Okay, so my confluence site is is, is a wiki. It's a um the it's called wiki dot I'm sure you'll put a link to it in the show notes. Yes, and that came about. I started using Salesforce in 2011, and my very first Salesforce implementation was a nonprofit, and uh, I had to learn the hard way what Salesforce doesn't do. Like at that point in time. But it does everything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> at that point in time, if you had a file on the record and you needed to email that file to a third party via Salesforce, you could, there was no way to attach that file to that email. And that has only came in in the last year or so. Uh, so their, their, the official answer was you download that file to your desktop and then upload it again into the email and mm. send it out. Yeah. And that was my first foray into what Salesforce can't do. Isn't it weird that uh, for the longest time, especially being a CRM, that the things that Salesforce were the yeah. worst at were like email yeah. and calendaring? That's yeah, yeah, so yeah. weird. Mm -hmm. Well, they're still bad at calendaring. <laughs> well. There's still no way to use Salesforce for calendaring unless you had a plug in like calendar or anything. Um, but um, so, yeah, so I, I was really uh, been the, uh, you know, on my own and trying to work this out. I had a really excellent help from one of the local Salesforce uh, people um, uh, who I sat down with her for a day and said, tell me the rules of Salesforce. And that's uh, her name's Nicole Abby Mayo. Uh, she now works for SalesFix, which is Jason Lawrence's and one of the other Australian MVPs company. Um, so she was 
absolutely excellent. And that was in 2011, 20 or 2012. Uh, and she sat down with me and told me the rules of Salesforce. So one of the rules is you don't ever break is that money only belongs to accounts. Right. Mm. So if you start, you, you start your Salesforce journey like that, when we're talking about not-for-profits, that means when you've got a contact who gives you money, some way, in some way, shape or form, they have to be an account because an opportunity is where you track the money and the opportunity needs to be linked to an account. Yeah. So that is a base level rule. So you've got to understand those rules. So it's like, okay, so how do, how do we get these? How do we know these rules? Mm. There's all these, the, the documentation tells you what things are. It doesn't tell you what these rules are. And so no, but that's I why just, we have jobs though, right? Yeah. Uh, us. <laughs> By the way, you know what my rule I would add to that? And maybe it's already there, yeah. but, yeah. and I don't know how to best say this, but I think in a most concise way, it would be barely use leads. Just barely. Really? Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I have real, a really big song rules for leads, uh, which is um, uh, use leads until the point it's either got a date, two people involved, or you're talking about money. Yeah, Leads that's are good. fine up mm-hmm. until that point. And now Matt Batuzzi, another Salesforce MVP, his book around uh, sales ops for Lightning is if you're j- touching leads, read that book. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, again, um, yeah, that, that, yeah, that's my rules for leads. Uh, and then the other, my other rule to live by is Stephen Herod's rule, if it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's a duck. Okay. And <laughs> <laughs> that means don't try and rebuild cases because you've got handling internal cases and external cases mm-hmm. um, and, um, and, and you think, oh, I can't have internal cases on my same case object as they can't touch, you know? I feel like it's internal like support, old- okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. it's like it's like the like the old days when you've got a auto number field in your Oracle database, and people want the auto numbers to be sequential and actually have no gaps. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's an auto, it's a it's a unique number. It doesn't matter what unique number it is. And you know that thing with the um that used to be that the test classes would take up your auto numbering. Mm-hmm. Um, I I was actually ran a test class in a production org the other the other week, so I was doing a major upgrade upgrade. It's really unusual for me to run test classes in production, um, and uh, um, and it it was so old. This code was so old that 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 setting was still on, and my clients freaked out and said, oh, "We ju- we we think there's been a problem with the Salesforce integration. <laughs> we lost some sales." <laughs> <laughs> That's ca- was cases, yeah. but we've, yeah. we've lost some cases. Okay. Um, and I said, "Oh, yeah, that's that. that that's that setting from years ago." Is that a global uh, setting? Where do you even set yeah, that? That's a, yeah, I think it's in. Um, so, I don't know somewhere. I did set it. I did had. Ha- I did remember it. I had to Google it, and then I had to set it. Um, so so that doesn't happen again. Uh, so yeah, um, I've forgotten what what I was talking about now. <laughs> well, leads. Um, I don't know. Right. Leads are rules. Yeah, rules, yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, and this is where where my wiki came from. It's like if I know these rules, I need to be able to share them because I was so uh, surprised and shocked and uh, couldn't believe how much I had to learn to get up and running with Salesforce. So I just needed to make sure that that I felt that I've done as everything I can so that new people new people coming in uh, can um, have some place that they can go to, to get these rules. Now. Unfortunately, in the last few years, my uh, wiki hasn't been really kept up to date, and I think that's all to do with Lightning. Mm. 
lightning was so um, uh, new and um, and so so many uh, so much of a transition and a learning curve um, and things. So I I haven't kept up to date with it as much, and I haven't really put enough in there for lightning. Um, and of course, I've moved on to of trying to do different things like coding. Um, so I. Again, a part of me doing a wiki and not a blog, I have, have a blog, I've had a blog for many years, um, is that I can't be responsible for keeping it up to date. What you get is what it is at the date that it's published. Sure. And um, that is what I knew at that date. So, yeah. So that's why I do my wiki and um, everything I try and do, like my last couple of posts, which was, you know, um, the how to use source tracking for sandboxes, I try and do, um, you know, this is what I know about this here. This is go out there and yep. you know, play with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I, mean, I mean, obviously, you know, some posts are going to be very temporal, right? Very in the mm-hmm. moment, very contemporary. And some mm-hmm. posts are more, are more just timeless. Uh, just the, yeah. you know, it depends on the content, but I, I totally agree. It's, and it's, and it's not like yeah. uh, any of us are, you know, becoming millionaires from our blogs or anything. So, yeah. you know, yeah. you take it if you want it. If not, fine. <laughs> And just recently, I have launched my very first lightning component, something I've been wanting to do. Oh, yeah. 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 Tell us Um, about that. Okay. Uh, It's called the Indicators Component, and it's on my GitHub, um, github.com slash jodym. And then it's – so it's – the idea is that when I look at my client's org, um, I I had a client that had – eight record types and then they bought another business and the way the record types were set up we had to then replicate those eight record types so then i had 16 record types <laughs> it was a complete maintenance nightmare so um two years ago when dynamic forms are sort of talked about uh, when we had a major change i really changed the way i um built this into a new custom object and change, designed this now to not use record types and to use um, uh, just be able to show and hide different fields on the page. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, we haven't got that set up yet, but that's the way I've sort of planned it. Um, so the whole idea of having to have a record type, you know, where you change the stage and you change the record type automatically by a workflow, which changes the fields on the page. Mm. You know, hopefully dynamic forms gets us away from having to do this. So, but all these record types are so caught up in all of the workflows and all that and the formulas and everything like that. I needed a way of just quickly seeing what type of record is this so that I can um, know at a glance when I'm looking at this from an external person, you know, what is this? Like, and so then, and then the other thing with, especially with nonprofits is they love collecting data, but if this person, if this data is in here for this person and they've never given you a donation, you don't have an email address, you don't have a phone number, you don't have an address, what is the point of that record being in there? Yeah, they're, they're data so, hoarders. Yeah, yeah, so I wanted to give them a visual indicator to say what value does this record have to your org? At a glance, you can see they're a high-value donor, they are um, on a marketing list, they've been to events, they've done all this. So just a really quick visual way of indicating that on a record. It's a lot for me as well as for them, you know, to try and surface what data is in their system so that they can see the value of their data. 
um, or to try and s- s- quickly see at a glance. So this, I came up with, uh, actually, I didn't come up with it. Christian Carter and Beth Berenice, which are Salesforce MVPs previously, who now work, both work for Salesforce, came up with this brilliant app called WeatherVane. And it was a visual force page with a custom metadata types. Um, and it was a really great, great tool. And I put this in my client's org that had the 16 record types and they just loved it. And so um, it was just like I just built it upon from there. We went to Lightning where the veins didn't work in Lightning, so I had to work out ways of doing it. So I did it with formulas and um, and um, icons, but I always knew that there's a way that I wanted to do it better. So two years ago I did the Aura course, and then I was, was so disappointed that it probably, you know, three months after I did that course, they announced the Lightning Web Components. Yeah. And it's like, oh, God, I've got to understand this all again. <laughs> so with the lockdown, it was a really good opportunity for me because um, a lot of my clients have also shut down. Um, a really good opportunity for me to do the LWC course, and it just happened to be that they were running the first one in Australia, time zone, online. And so I did the LWC course, and that was my first component that I wanted to make. And I got it, it was difficult, and it was so, um, and I got so much help from the Good Day Sir Army, and so much help from, you know, Salesforce staff, so much help from uh, people on uh, Salesforce Stack Exchange, um, so much help from um, uh, Zandel, one of the MVPs in Germany. I got so much help. Um, and it's and it's so good. And the thing is, it's not it's not re- not ready yet. It's the moment the setup is not good, um, and then I want to do a custom metadata type setup. But just to like, uh, did you listen to the latest code coverage? I think um, I did. Came out last yeah, week. Yeah, I think so. Um, so you know, uh, John did. He doesn't talk- listen to podcasts. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Um, Matt was talking about that he didn't know anything about spread and these new um, prototype arrays in JavaScript. And it's just like, damn it, I know about that. I've just (laughs) learned that. (laughs) Um, But uh, Peter Chitton's uh, trailhead on JavaScript for for LWCs is amazing. But the thing is, I needed to have gone through the LWC course, gone through a couple of Pluralsight courses on um, JavaScript, gone through that tried to actually code it myself. Then I watched Peter Chitton's uh, childhood. Then it made sense. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yep. Um, and so now I can do a JavaScript array. And for me, for so many years, that JavaScript and JavaScript arrays has just been so difficult. But these new features in 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 ES6 and beyond for uh, arrays in JavaScript are actually really cool. Yeah, um, it's it's funny how the, the, so many of the uh, I would say I guess the old timer web developers, mm-hmm. you know, they they're the ones who tend to not keep up with what's yeah. happening. Well, I get anxiety over some of yeah. the features. Yeah, because I'm not sure if I should be using it or not. Because Salesforce, I mean, even though they've kind of deprecated for the most part, i.e., in favor of Edge, you still kind of have to solve for some of those. But let me ask you guys this: Are people not doing the typical transpilation that for for Salesforce uh, web components that you do for normal web development, so that you don't have to worry about your browser being, you know, uh, one of the more modern ones? Because it com- you know, kind of compiles down to a I mean, least if you use common most of the Salesforce stuff, mm-hmm. then yes. But if you're doing custom, you know, building your markup and your JavaScript and I, everything else. I guess what I'm asking is, 
do people are people doing that? Are they use are they transpiling? Are they doing not. like Babel or Babel, however no. you say it? To, to, no, they're not. Uh, no. I'm sure some okay. are, but so so the, the so the JavaScript you actually ship to the browser is yeah. like modern ES yeah. whatever the hell it is now. Apparently, okay, it's okay. Apparently okay. the world is moving to vanilla, man. Yeah, I don't yeah, understand. Yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah. So I don't. That's that's very different than the west of the than the rest of the web world, and I don't understand why. And and the JavaScript is a very salesless flavored JavaScript, right? Ooh, really? Uh, yeah, that, yeah, that's uh, like uh, uh, reminds me of Visual J plus <laughs> plus. No, it's, Microsoft's it's not, version of Java. Remember that, John? It's not, yes. but you are doing using a wire function, right? So you got a wire function, and you got to do JavaScript on it to actually do a yeah um a, to get the data into a way that you're going to put into your template um in your HTML. Uh, so of course it's J- Salesforce flavored because the data you're using is Salesforce flavored. But the arrays, they no, they're just you know a standard straightforward um um. And again, when I got this when i got this this is not salesforce this is just javascript and i can just use javascript array functions and i can handle my arrays that was the that was the big big breakthrough for me like which part of this is salesforce which part of this is javascript which part is html which part is css at least i've got that good background um and so it's just just decoupling that the salesforce and the javascript part of it and understanding how they work together that was really key for, yeah. for me for lightning web uh, components yeah no that's now, that's I good have 10 minutes left to, okay. um, to talk so <laughs> um, i have been talking you're, you're going back to back aren't you you're just going to jump directly from this over to your next call <laughs> to, to another call and then straight after that to another call yeah. oh, wow. <laughs> this is um, this is unfortunately when you're dealing with the us it's like it d- does become like this I and understand. the thing is it's, it's never monday morning <laughs> so that's good <laughs> well so i don't know what else you you have that you want to so the other one i wanted to talk about was the um new features that come out just recently which is the salesforce architect guides okay um, so this is, um, unfortunately, I, I don't get this. I don't get why Salesforce architects need to be so separate. And I think I was yelling at the podcast last week um, or two, two episodes ago when we were talking about architects or something. I was yelling at someone for uh, why are architects have to be so different. Why have they created a third class? We've now got admins, we've got devs, and now we've got architects. Don't forget about builders. Yeah. What, what do builders yeah. fit into this? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> low code. <laughs> Again, this is a spectrum, low code to no code, whatever, to full code. You know, right? Jody, it's funny you bring this topic up because what is today? <laughs> the, two days ago, and I don't tweet often, but I tweeted two days ago, and this is what I said. Architect, someone with a fancier title than you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's a pay well, raise. I have, I have the title of Salesforce Application Architect. I am certified, um, and I completely failed my Salesforce System Architect exams. Um, and the thing is, it's a Salesforce System Architect goes into realms that I don't want to get into, which is all enterprise stuff. So I'm fine, happy with that. And I never want to get to CTA. It's not where I want to be. Um, so, but I'm an application architect. And um, so I am, I technically am an architect. I, what I do is architecture. Everything I do is around the architect. But as far as Salesforce world goes, it, it again, it's just part of what you do as an admin. You do architecture. Or if you're a developer that, that's looking after org, you do architecture. Yes, um, enterprises need maybe have separate architects. And that's where, again, we know that Salesforce is only concerned with large enterprises when they're talking about marketing. So, of course, that's why they've separated architects out. 
But again, um, the, the, they've got a developer blog and they've got the Salesforce blog, but they don't have an architect blog. So, of course, the architects had to make their own blog and, of course, they can't get a, a Salesforce-branded blog. So, of course, they've gone out to Medium. So mm. the architect blog is now on Medium. Um, and it's just, uh, you know, I, I was one of the very only MVP classes that was announced on Medium. And so we're the only one that you can't, can't Google search for <laughs> easily. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, hey, so guys, how, how's that MVP thing going, by the way? How's it? Those guys. <laughs> I'm, I'm a Hall of Famer. You and, and, you and John. Yeah, so yeah, so oh, John's a Hall of Famer. You're an ex-MVP and I'm a But John's still a current MVP. You're a current MVP, John. Well, He's a Hall of Fame. I'm a hum- <laughs> what does that mean? That means you've, you've been five, uh, five years, right? Yeah. Okay. You're no, still current. But it means not, uh, they didn't five, five years. years. They didn't kick yeah, you out. Five years, five years before they kicked me out. <laughs> but are you out? Yes. No. Are you still an You're MVP still in, forever? John. No. You're in. You are, John. No, so I'm out. No, they. No, I'm the. I'm the. No, hey, hang out. on. I'm you're the out. only one who, who can claim the title of being kicked out. <laughs> the, 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 the Hall out, of Fame is, is thank you for your service, <laughs> but we're we're gonna we're gonna move on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, uh, it, it does have um, deprecated perks for. Yes, yes, yes. You don't get the free training and the free um um. You don't uh, get like the tickets and advanced seating and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, I did finally get to use that once. I uh, mm-hmm. at Dreamforce. I think I I think I did have to pay for yeah. a ticket for that. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So um, the architects' guides are on the on a medium post, and we'll put it in the show notes. Um, and then let's go links to two quip documents. Of course, it was on quip. Um, and it talks you through the low code to code spectrum as far as there's two guides. And the one I want to talk about is flow um, and, and automations. And it talks you through what is the tool to use for your automations when you want to do X, Y, or Z. So the good example is if you want to do just conditional visibility of fields or sections on your page and you're dealing with one record only, the guide says to use dynamic forms. <laughs> so unfortunately, <laughs> dynamic forms, they're a little bit ahead of the guides, a little bit ahead of the, the real thing. Dynamic forms are sort of like only quarter baked so far. It's half baked because it's not the feature rate rich. It's half baked because it's uh, only on custom objects and not standard objects. So it's only quarter baked. And you, but that's where you're heading. So this think is, about that. What's the, where the, you're heading? And this is why I'm, it always kind of irks me a little bit to, that that I get. And I guess whatever, it's their playground. But Salesforce <laughs> decides who's an architect and who's not, because yeah. really, in order to pass these tests, you have to know what Salesforce's marketing initiatives and what their stra- yeah. marketing strategies are, because that's what this, that's yeah. what this is. Yeah. Mm. So there is there, this is a combination of marketing and product. So, and then the next thing it goes through, if you're doing a multi-step wizard on one record, then you use flow screens. Flow, okay. Flow screens. I know what that is. Sure. So flow, that's where you build a UI (laughs) on flow. Okay. So basically, if you want to build a UI, you don't start with building a spa on LWC. You start with building a flow and you put your UI in uh, your, your LWC for your really high-density custom UI, you can put that in a flow. So unfortunately, no matter what you say, Jeremy, no matter what you say, every developer out there that's listening, <laughs> you need to know flow. Yep. 
Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. You can't get away with it. And as an admin now, with well, there's another really cool tool which we'll put in the show notes, um, which is there are automation components now. As an admin, you will put code inside your flow. There is now components that are released by Salesforce that are called automation components where it handles, like you can do collections uh, inside of code using invocable actions. You can just about anything you can do with a list inside of your uh, classes, inside of Apex classes, you can now do with a component inside your flow. You can't do maps or anything map related inside of flow. But anything list and list collections and collections of large lists you can do with inside flow. So that's my takeaway is as a developer, you need to learn flow. As an admin, you need to learn to code. And the two are coming so much closer together and you need to know both of them. Yeah. I mean, I think that's safe to say. Yeah. Mm. It's, mm. You got you to know all these tools. Yep. And when to use them. Yep. And I'm so sorry that I've just been talking, talking, talking. No, that's good. And we've run out of time. And um, Well, I feel yeah. like people have been, people have, I think, probably ever, I don't know, I think John and I have gotten sick of hearing ourselves talk, so we we, yeah. we like having uh, fresh voices. I have um, wanted to do this for years, just, just, to, just to say to you, Jeremy, living in fantasy land. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's it's overdue for sure. Uh, being, being such a longtime friend of the show and... Uh, <laughs> Loyal, loyal member of the army. Um, oh, and moderator. And moderator. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Threat police. Threat police, absolutely. Yeah. But you understand why that is. That's about time zones. That's about understanding the, the people reading your, your Slack that live, live in a different time zone. And we need to sort of have it be organized. And anyone who doesn't thread, it's like, it's like you're you're not considering others. That's what, what why threading is so important. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think people just need to be, need a gentle reminder every now and then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so please thread in Slack and please join in Slack. And uh, I should actually say to get into Slack, you go to gooddaysirpodcast.com and you click on the community tab and you enter your email address and John will add you um, uh, manually from there. Oh, I'm going to let you sign us off as well. Yeah. No, you have to do that, John. Yeah. No, you... <laughs> uh, all right, Jody. Well, so we'll put your links in the notes or whatever the show notes. Um, yes. Where can people find you that are just listening? Twitter, right now? Jody M. Jody, Jody M. M. Twitter, GitHub, Jody M. Uh, Jody M on Slack. Yeah, everything. And that's J O D I E M. I E. Yep. Yes. The right way. The right way of spelling it. There, okay. <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't yeah. Get on board with that. Yeah, exactly. John, you can just plead the fifth. You don't have to say anything. Okay. You can remain silent. You don't have to incriminate yourself here. <laughs> well, Jody, thanks for joining us. It's been fun. Like I said, it's, it's, it's overdue, good. but I'm, I'm glad we did yeah. it. And, uh, you know, again, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to one of these days when uh, hopefully we'll. Uh, Cross paths, yeah, cross paths meet, in person meet again. again. Yeah. I'm so glad I've at least I've met you both, you know, in person. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, hey, enjoy okay. your enjoy your next conference call. <laughs> Thank you. And to that, I say good day, sir. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. No swears. Get all the swears out.